0: Well, a little over a year ago, the uh, southern part of our country called the Gulf Coast suffered through a terrible, devastating storm. And I think most of us know about Hurricane Katrina. When that happened, our church sensed almost immediately... That we needed uh, to go down and to help the people that were down there, and to to help them dig their lives out, and to to share Christ with them. And many of you were probably here at that time. You probably remember that we challenged our church family. We said, "Listen, somebody needs to go. Somebody needs to help. We need some people to pray about going." We had 13 people from our church who went down and was a part of that effort. But not only that, we collected supplies and we rented a, a truck, uh, just a rental truck, and we parked it at a local gas station. We invited the community to come and to bring supplies and just uh, anybody that wanted to be involved to be involved with that effort. You know, it was a pretty neat thing and we saw a lot of amazing things happen, but one of the memories that sticks out the most for me is this. As people were bringing supplies to the truck, I remember somebody from the community saying these words. I said, you know what? What you are doing here, this is what God would be doing if He was here. If, people, if people's lives were torn apart, if their houses were knocked over, if they had no hope for their lives, God would be calling for people of the community to load up a truck and He'd be driving it down and helping those people in their time of need. Well, that statement has really stuck with me ever since. This is the kind of thing that God would be doing if He were here. Over the last few weeks, we've been learning what the Bible teaches about spiritual gifts. And I hope that you're very clear that the purpose of our study has not been a seminar. It has not been that you'd bring your little spiritual notebook and, and now you'd have a tab that would say spiritual gifts. And whenever somebody brings up the topic of spiritual gifts, you could say, oh, I know all about that. And you could turn right over to your little spiritual gifts section, and, Pastor Robbie preached on this, and oh yes, I know about Ephesians, and oh sure, I've studied 1 Corinthians. That's not the purpose of why we've been going through this study. If that's how anybody's approached it, then I failed to communicate clearly God's message to us because the reason we've been learning about spiritual gifts is so that we could recognize some of the ways that God does His work in this world through His people. And then hopefully you could begin to recognize, if you are one of His children, Hey, I've got some of that. Or, hey, I I can do this. Or, hey, God's putting on my heart to be a part of this. And hopefully, if enough of us do that and we get together and we work together, we can show Christ to a world that so desperately needs a Savior just like we do. Amen? The Bible says that we, right here, are His hands. We are His feet. We are His mouth. We are His ears. And hopefully this emphasis has helped us to understand that better. But as we're finishing out this series, God's put on my heart a final message to share with you. If we are going to be the body of Christ, if we are going to do His work in this world, we need to see His passion. We need to see His heart. We need to understand if Jesus Christ Himself... Isn't that the point? If Jesus Christ Himself were here right now, and He is... Amen? His Spirit is here and He's working through me and through you. If He is here, what would that look like? What would He be doing if we were being His representatives? And there's no better place to turn than the four Gospels. You've heard of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the narratives of the life of Jesus Christ as He walked upon this earth as God came and lived as a human being in the flesh. And we get to see if God were to live this life, Here's how He would live it. Seeing Him, I believe, will help us tremendously in understanding what we should be doing as His spiritual body. So we're going to talk about today what Jesus would be doing. We want to understand from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 22, if Jesus Christ were working in this world, and we believe He is, here's the kind of things that Jesus would be doing. Now, as we turn to Luke chapter 4, the Bible tells us in uh, verses 14 through 15 that... Now, if you read verses 1 through 13, you find out that Jesus had just been tempted in the wilderness by the devil. And then it says in verse 14, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about Him spread throughout all the surrounding district. And He began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. Then in verses 16 through 17, it says, And He came to Nazareth, where He had been brought up, as was His custom... He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are repressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. You see, the Bible says that Jesus went back to his hometown of Nazareth and just like he always did, he went to the synagogue. Now, I think it's important to know Jesus thought going to church every week was a good idea. It is kind of interesting to see. We don't know much about Jesus' life but the or before this. From age 12 to 30, the Bible doesn't give us a lot of details, but we know one thing. He went to the synagogue every week. The synagogues had probably come about during the Babylonian captivity. What happened is the Jewish people had been chased out of their homes land they're away from the Jewish temple they could no longer worship together in that place that God had given them that central location called the temple and so they realized hey while we're away we still need to worship God we still need to gather together to worship the Lord and to hear his word I even believe that maybe this was God's preparation in the Jewish people's heart to get them used to the idea of local churches, that God would call people together and make local gatherings of people that worshiped together and shared God's Word together. Well, on that day, Jesus stood up in the synagogue to read. Now, my understanding is is that in the synagogue, everyone would have been seated, and the one who was teaching for the day would have stood up, would have shared the Scripture, then they would have sat back down to explain it. We're not told on this day if Jesus was asked to teach, or uh, do you think God had permission just to decide it was His turn? (laughs) I mean, He's the focus of this whole deal, so I imagine that uh, He had the right to stand up and say, I'm going to be given a lesson today. But we're not told if He was asked to, or if He just began doing it. But we know that when He stood, He was handed the book or the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. It's very likely that the synagogue, in the synagogue, they had weekly readings. They had kind of assigned passages that they read. If so, the fact that the book of Isaiah was the passage they were reading through is significant. Did you know if there was a portion of the Old Testament that would have been chosen, there's no better portion than Isaiah. Someone has said each part of the Old Testament presents its own witness to Christ and the fact that He was going to come. But there is not an Old Testament book with the possible exception of the Psalms that is so full and varied in its testimony of Jesus as the book of Isaiah. In other words... It was a great day for Jesus to show up. Amen? I mean, the reading for the day was the passage from the Old Testament. It was actually a passage from the Old Testament, specifically the passage that's read here. We don't know if Jesus chose it or if that was a specific passage, but it's a specific passage that Jesus chose to come on that day and to read that passage, I believe, to share with us His heart about what His emphasis was going to be. Let's read that again. It says, "...the Spirit of the Lord is upon me." Jesus is reading this, a prophecy of who He was going to be and what He was going to do. Because He anointed Me to preach the gospel to the poor, He has sent Me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. When Jesus began His public ministry in Galilee at the age of 30, it tells us in Luke chapter 3, verse 23, the passage that He chose to start with was a passage from Isaiah 61. What do those words that Isaiah the prophet had written hundreds of years earlier and now are being fulfilled by Jesus right in the midst of those people, what do those words tell us about Jesus' heart? What do those words tell us about his focus? What do they tell us about what he himself would be doing and what we should be doing if we were to allow him to work through our lives? Well, first of all, I believe he's telling us in these verses, first of all, what he came to do. What Jesus came to do. Now, I want to be careful about dissecting these words too much because we can get so caught up in the trees that we lose the forest. You ever heard that phrase before? So, I don't want to break it down so much that we that we lose the bigger picture. But I do want us to, to look at some of the phrases that He said here. Jesus said, here's what He would be doing. Here's what He came to do. He came to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, preach the gospel is kind of a churchy way of translating it. Uh, in, in normal layman's terms, if we were just going to say it in normal everyday le- English, we would say, He came to announce the good news. That's literally what it says. Jesus came to announce the good news to the poor. Now, I don't want to make it too generic, though. What is the good news? The good news was something very specific. He came to announce to the poor that He had come to wash away their sins. He had come to die on the cross. He had come to rise again. The gospel, the good news, is something very specific. Now, it relates to a lot of other things in life, but Jesus Christ came to tell those who are poor, and we'll talk about who those people are in just a minute, He came to bring them good news, that He came to be the Savior the King James version or new King James if you use those for your translations also put the uh, phrase that's in Isaiah 61 that says he came to heal or he was sent to heal the brokenhearted Jesus said, Listen, I want to take I want you to get this picture. Don't miss it. Here's Jesus. He's coming to his hometown. It may be the first time that he's ever read in the in the synagogue, there in his hometown. He comes on the day that they're reading Isaiah. He comes on the day that they're reading Isaiah chapter 61. He stands up and says, I'm the one that's going to read today. And he says, Listen, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And after it's over with, in verse 20, he says, uh, He closed the book. Everybody was looking at him in verse 21. He says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He says, the one that this was talking about is right here in your midst. This is what I am all about. I came to heal the brokenhearted. I came to make those who've been hurt, who've been crushed, who've been bruised, I came to fix their lives. I came to heal them. Friend, today, don't miss what Jesus is saying. Is there anybody's heart today that needs to be fixed? Is anybody's heart broken and crushed and bruised today? Jesus Christ said that is one of the primary purposes He came for. He came to proclaim release to the captives. And that word proclaim means he issued a proclamation. Do y'all remember seeing on the news, and maybe some of you went down, I think it was at the Capitol. They had, I guess, one of the original drafts of the Emancipation Proclamation. I mean, Lincoln said the, the, the slaves are to be set free. They weren't just set free. There was a proclamation that was made. They are to be set free. And I'm signing this myself, President Lincoln. That's what Jesus came to do. He said, I'm standing up today and this prophecy that you knew was going to happen one day, it is happening right now. My very words being spoken are the proclamation being issued. The slaves, the captives are to be set free from henceforth. He said, I came to make a proclamation about recovery of sight to the blind. Those people who were not able to see, now they were going to be able to see. I came to set free those who are oppressed. Actually, the word that he uses for set free means to send away. It's almost like you open a bird cage and say, Shoo, go on. <laughs> you, you can go. You're free to leave. The cage is open. You can go ahead and fly. Jesus came to set people free, to break their chains, and to let them go. How many of us here this morning are in bondage? To someone or to something, or we know somebody who is. Would you listen to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ? He came to bring good news to those who are poor. He came to heal those whose hearts are crushed. He came to release those, to let them go, to to issue a proclamation. He came for those who can't see to now have their eyes open and to understand better. He came to set free those who have been crushed and shattered and broken. That's what Jesus would have put on His business card. That's the tagline that Jesus would have put on his website. He would have put the verses out of Isaiah chapter 61. But before we rest by those things too quickly, I want us to also think about what do those things mean. What did Jesus come for? He tells us there, but what did those things mean? What are some of the things you hear Jesus' heart for in those verses? Well, I hear a concern for the poor, don't you? I hear a concern for those who don't have much. When we think of the poor, we usually think of material things. And we certainly see in God's Word that God is concerned about those who have so little in this life that it gets to the point of being detrimental to their life. Now, I think it's actually talking about more than that. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But the point, I believe, is that God wants to give hope to those who have little resources. Anybody here like that today? God wants to give hope to those who have very little resources, either material-wise or in ourselves. God brought care and concern for the for the hurting in fact it's more than that it's defense of them it's rescue of them it's delivery of them you see in these verses you see proclaiming you see recovery you see setting free you see proclaiming you see bringing good news what is God doing God is bringing hope for the hurting those who've been bruised and crushed by life whatever that is how many of us have been fallen to temptation how many of us have Fall into struggles. How many of us have had heartaches and choices that we wish we hadn't have made? God is telling us, "I came because I'm concerned about those things. I care about you. I know about you." Let me read you some verses that talk about that. Julie just read, uh, "Who am I?" Or just sang the song, "Who am I?" Well, actually, that comes out of a part of that uh, comes out of a passage. That idea comes out of a passage in Exodus chapter three. Moses, when God called Moses, he said, "Who am I? Who am I that you would use me? That you would work through me?" But just before that, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, the Lord said to Moses, Listen, Moses, you're not the one that's going to help these people. When God called Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have given heed to their cry because of their slave drivers, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I... Who's it sound like is going to do this? Who's it sounds like cared? Who's it sound like did something about it, developed a plan for it? So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. And then he says over one more verse, he says, Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. God cared about The Israelite people. God saw their 430 years of struggle. And He told them, He told Moses, I care about that. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7 tells us, Casting all your anxiety or your cares on Him because He cares for you. Some of us here this morning are going through such struggles and difficulties in our life. We're wondering, does anybody really care about me? We're even wondering does God care about my life friend you may not feel it you may not believe it but the word of God teaches God cares for you it's one of the primary reasons that Jesus came he cares about hurting people and not only does he use words but it's going to help us to see he intends to do something about it amen amen, amen. wake up people he brought good news and good news is being proclaimed. It's not just, hey, uh, I've got a gift for you and it's in a warehouse and, and, I, and I threw this little map in a bottle, and I put it out in the ocean, and hopefully if you find it and you can make your way over to that warehouse, maybe you can find it. You know what? The Bible says Jesus, it says He proclaimed it, He heralded it, He announced it. We, we would even say He preached it. That would be our church way of saying it, which would be appropriate. But really, the, the, the sense there is, and actually the, the image that's used here is like a town herald who would announce to people. Before they had newspapers, they'd have a town herald who'd go throughout town announcing something was about to happen. A proclamation has been made. That's what God is saying in these verses. Doesn't it sound official? Doesn't it sound important? God's intention is for the heartache to end. God's intention is for all that garbage to stop. You remember when Wings of Morning came to sing for us? Remember that song they sang, The King is Coming to Town? When the King comes to town, all the garbage is going to stop. Things that are wrong, God intended to make them right. Things that are broken, God intended to fix them. How many people this morning's your life, you would say, are broken? And you wish that somebody could fix it. How many people have regrets? How many of us would say, I wish I could turn back the clock? And Jesus Christ is saying, I am issuing a proclamation. I came now listen, friends, I'm not giving you easy answers. I'm not saying I'm not making any promises except the promises of the Word of God. Jesus Christ came to heal your life. You can take that for what it's worth. You can believe it or not, but he said that is the purpose that I came for. I came to set you free. And God intends to release captives. I meet people all the time. You know how, you know what? I wouldn't even use words to describe their lives. This is how I would describe their life handcuffed, bound. That's the way many people are living their lives. And Jesus said, Listen, do you believe Him? Do you believe that He can do this? He said, He came to break the chains, He came to set people free. People like you. Real people. So in light of that, our real point this morning is, okay, if that's what Jesus would do, then what would He be doing through us? What would He be doing... Through us, if we are going to be His body in this world, you know it's sad that many hurting people don't even know the character of God that I just described to you because they've never heard a church share that with them. They've never heard that from the Word of God. I pray today that you're here today, and if this is the first time that you've ever heard it, that you would listen to God's Word. I don't know why churches would not teach this. People ask me why do people, why do churches not teach the Bible? I don't know. I don't know what else we would do, but for whatever reason, that's been the case. But you know what? Even if, even if you teach the Word of God, i found that many times just knowing it is not enough for people. Right. Have you ever thought to yourself, well, I know what the Bible says, but I just don't know how to live it out. You ever thought to yourself that? Doesn't it help to see somebody living it out? You know what? That's what Jesus' intention is. He is still on this earth. He is still working. His spirit is here working and He intends for it to be worked out through us. That's His assignment. That's the core of what we've been learning. Our giftedness, the abilities God gives us is not really for us It's not so that I can be proud, or I can say, look at me, or I can say, here's what I do. Or It's not really so that I can feel fulfilled. That's not God's primary purpose. Now, isn't it fulfilling when you fulfill God's purpose for your life? Yes, it is. That's a byproduct. It's a nice byproduct. But the purpose really is not that I would feel fulfilled, but that God would work through my life in such a way that other people would be drawn to Him. Learning where I fit learning where you fit, learning how those fit together, checking my motives, making sure I use the gifts right, uh, looking for God to be at work. This whole emphasis has been really to get us to this point. If we are the body of Christ on this earth, what would Jesus be doing right now through us? If Jesus Christ were in control of this church, if just as real as if he were standing here on stage and wrote out uh, in PowerPoint some bullets for us, okay, church, here's what we're going to be doing. And you were to hear his voice just as real as that, what would it that he would say to us? Well, i am going to be honest with you, I'm not sure I know all the answers. And I think to some, to some degree it's going to be the rest of my life. It's going to be the rest of this church's history trying to understand and discern, God, what is it you'd have us to do? But listen, I think we can get kind of close this morning, amen? I think we can at least head that direction. So let's look at some of the things Jesus said He would do, and let's think about some of the ways that may work through our life. Well, let's talk about the poor. Jesus said, now He says it right here, that He is concerned about the poor. Now I have to be honest with you, there are many Bible-believing Christians that ignore these kind of statements. There are many Bible-teaching churches. Now listen, let me tell you why I think that happens. We are so concerned about eternity, which if I was going to mess up, I'd want to mess up on eternity side. Amen? We are so concerned about somebody knowing where they're going eternity-wise that sometimes we forget right now where they're at. But you know what? The Bible seems to indicate that in order for us to share about eternity, sometimes we need to meet immediate needs. And so as Bible-believing Christians, we need to make sure that we don't just forget about the fact that somebody right now is hungry. I mean, it's hard to talk about eternal things when your stomach's growling, ain't it? I mean, I'm talking from personal experience. When it's time to eat, I'm not much on counseling. Alright? Let's eat. Right? If you don't have any clothes... Not the best position to be in for a conversation, is it? Hey, could I have something to wear first? I'm cold. I can't hear you because I'm freezing. Our focus should not be on meeting needs alone. But Christians, we ought to be meeting more needs in this world. Why should we? Because it shows the mercy. The love, the compassion of our God's heart. And you know what else it does? By meeting those needs physically and visibly, it reminds us that there's more needs spiritually that God has provision for. What, if anything, is our church doing to meet the needs of those who are poor? Much more important to God, though, as I said, is spiritual poverty. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 5, verse 3, the Bible says that we are poor in spirit. That we have emptiness in our heart. Have you ever felt like you were on the last leg in your life? Have you ever felt like I don't have any more resource? Isn't that poverty? I don't have any more to give. I mean, it's just as real as money, isn't it? I don't have anymore. more. I don't have any more strength. I don't have any more. Emotionally, I have nothing more to give. I talked with somebody about that the other day in their own life. This person told me that, 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 that they needed Christ because there was an emptiness in their heart. That there was, a, there was a space in their heart that they felt like that only God could fill. And I thank the Lord they found that hope through Jesus Christ. Well, let me ask you a question. All right, let's bring it down to real life. I want to tell you, church family, God's broken my heart with this message this week because we are focused on spreading the message. We are focused on telling the good news. Sometimes in Bible-believing churches, you can do so much talking that you forget to do the living. Okay? How is that person who is poor in spirit, no, really, how is he going to find out that God wants to fill that poverty. Well, somebody has said that a witness for God is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. But you know what? If you're a beggar who's found bread, you're going to have to tell him, aren't you? There's going to be no other way that he's going to find out except if somebody who's found the bread decides to tell him where it is. Are you willing to tell other people who are hungry, here's where I found my bread? Now, let's don't leave that with a big amen. I agree with you, brother. Okay? Let's don't just leave that in words. How would Jesus, really, how would Jesus get that to somebody who needs that hope? Well, it could happen through our media ministry, couldn't it? I thank God for people that God's raised up to, to help organize our TV and radio ministry and all those kind of thing. I was in Albany yesterday, and I heard us on radio. And I just said, thank you, God, that all over this area, people are listening to the message through New Hope. You know why? Because some people are not quite ready to take the step you took this morning. Some people would not dare to come to church on a Sunday morning. And there's lots of reasons for that. We've talked about those before. But you know what? We can. We have feet. We have hands. We have brains. We have abilities. We can put the message together in such a way to bring it right to them in the comfort of their home and announce it to them right in their, right in their lazy boy, can't we? Isn't that neat? But even better than that, Probably, more than that, God wants to give that hope for those poor in spirit through you personally. How's that going to happen? If somebody that you know right now is poor in spirit, you came to church Sunday, amen, brother, we need to get the message out. If somebody's hurting, somebody needs to tell them, I agree with you. Okay, good, you're sitting right beside them on the coffee break tomorrow. How's it going to happen? I mean, let's just think through it. How's it going to happen? Well, it's going to be me thinking less about myself tomorrow because usually I'm thinking about me, aren't you? Uh, what's in the vending machine, you know? Or, 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 man, I got the, you know, I got black and I want a creamer or whatever. And, and I, ha- how you doing? I got to get about back to my job. You know, it's going to take me stopping for just a second and saying, "I wonder how they're doing." Uh, but it's actually going to need more than that, isn't it? Wonder how they're doing in my head doesn't help them. They don't know that I care. What am I going to have to do? Ask them. Wonder how you're doing, and I'm going to have to stand there long enough to hear the answer. Rather than doing what I do sometimes, how are you doing? They could have said I'm dying, and I wouldn't have heard it because I'm still I'm walking before they even get the answer out. It's going to take me being sensitive to God's spirit, and maybe seeing that that person is hurting, or maybe seeing. Did you know there are people all around you that are poor in spirit? There are people all around us. Maybe there's even some here today, many of us here today, who are at their end. They're in poverty spiritually. They don't know where else to turn. There's emptiness in their heart. They're searching. You know what? You may have to be equipped to share with them. They may get to the point of even asking you, how do you have this hope? And you say, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what verse, or I don't know how to describe it to you. You know what? Maybe you need to get a train. Maybe you need to equip, get equipped. Maybe maybe you need to take Mark's Bible study and learn how to share your faith. Maybe you need to come out on Tuesday nights and watch somebody else do it and kind of get a little bit under your belt to see how to share. It's going to take me and you really thinking, isn't it? It's going to take us really preparing in order for us to really reach that person who's poor in spirit. What about the broken and the hurting? <clears throat> Now, listen, there is a man this week who's going to lose his son in a car accident. How's he going to find the hope in Christ? Are we going to expect him to come to church next Sunday? Are we going to say, if it, listen, and we would never say this because we know it's not right, but practically speaking by our lives, are we going to say, listen, he's going to need to walk through those doors. And he's actually going to have to make it pretty apparent to us uh, Jesus can meet his needs. That doesn't really help that man, does it? Somebody needs to be paying attention. Somebody needs to read the newspaper and see that he lost his son. Somebody's heart needs to be broken. Somebody needs to pray for that man. Somebody needs to get on the phone and give him a call. When a marriage is in trouble, how will they be helped? When a spouse gets put in jail, who's going to encourage those people? When somebody loses their job, who's going to come alongside that person and say, the Lord's going to take care of you, how can I help you? When a young lady's expecting a child, who's going to come alongside of her and encourage her and help her? Will you be moved? Will you be concerned? Maybe you'll even pray. But you know what? Even as great as all those things are, they're not enough. Being moved, being concerned, even praying, even though that's a great thing to do, but Jesus said, you don't have to pray about some things. I am going to work through you. Will you take it upon yourself to reach out? Or are you expecting somebody else to do it? Listen, all throughout my spiritual walk, the Lord has spoken to me. If not me, who? If not now, when? <laughs> I mean, who am I expecting to do it? God showed me the need, right? How many people are actually even recognizing it? If not me, who? If not now, when? If there's a hurricane on the Gulf Coast, who's going to help those people? What do we usually think? I'm sure somebody needs to do that, don't they? Somebody, I know there's probably going to be some churches that are going to load up and go down there and get a help. You know, we need to be praying for all that. Where's all that? It's in the clouds, isn't it? We do need to be praying about it. And there probably will be some people, but they're just like you. They just took it a step further. They got on the truck and they went. They're real people. Remember what I said last week? We can say, I'm with you in spirit. What does that mean? I'm not with you, right? (laughs) We can say to the people who had the hurricane, We're there in spirit, and they go, Great, that doesn't move the rubble, does it? If there are tribes in Africa who do not have a Bible, obviously we know somebody should take it to them, shouldn't they? Somebody should get on that. Why not you? People who've lived in generations, for generations, in adultery and lies and hurt, somebody needs to take that message to them. Why wouldn't it be you? You're the body of Christ, aren't you? I'm not saying that every need needs to be filled by you or by me. But listen, I want you to understand something that God's really spoken to me about in my spiritual walk. Usually, when I notice needs, Usually, my first response would be, I notice that need and I think to myself, well, it's not me that needs to meet it unless God shows me, yeah, I want you to. Maybe we should think, since I saw it, it must be up to me unless God talks me out of it. You see the difference? What that shows is a sensitivity to God's Spirit and a heart to be used by God. Not a excusing myself, not a distancing myself, not a keeping it in the clouds in the words, but an actual if something has happened and God has shown it to me, maybe I'm the one He wants to work through to do it. Dusty sang a song a few weeks ago. It said, If we are the body, why aren't His arms reaching? Why aren't His hands healing? Why aren't His words teaching? Friends, do you hear that? I believe that's going to resound to us when we stand before Jesus Christ as His servants one day. (laughs) I think I'm going to have a sense of, Robbie, what were you doing? What were you doing? You were to be my hands. You were to be my feet. You were to be my words. That, That song says, If we are the body, why aren't His feet going? Why is His love not showing them There is a way. God has blessed this church as much or more than any church I've ever been a part of. Praise His name. That's good. I'm thankful for that. It's been great. But I believe, church family, we are just on the edge of truly being the people of God. Are we going to be happy with kind of, sort of, close enough Are we going to be happy with farther than I've ever been anywhere else in my life? Are we going to be happy with that? Are we going to say, God, there is no limitation. I want to keep pressing on. I want to fulfill everything you have in your heart to do through my life. I want this church to do that. Listen, let me give you some comparison here. Let me tell you just in real terms kind of what I'm talking about. When our church first started, just like Heartland is this, in this morning, having their second worship service ever. When our church first started, you know what? We didn't have a children's ministry. We didn't have a youth ministry. We didn't have a men's ministry. We didn't have a prayer ministry. We didn't have anything. We just Sunday morning, one hour, boom. That was it. Now, thank the Lord we have a youth ministry. Thank God we have a prayer ministry. Thank God we have a men's ministry, a women's ministry, an outreach ministry, all these ministries. Is that what God wanted us to do? He just want us to start a bunch of names. No, I believe they're just the foundation. Thank God that some things that we're missing are now, are now there, but are we going to stop and say, that is enough? Who's going to teach those kids in Awana? Somebody needs to. Who's going to go on that mission trip? Somebody needs to pray about that. Who's going to greet the people who came to church even though they haven't been in years? Who's going to be the one to stand at the door and shake their hand and smile and make them feel welcome? Somebody should, shouldn't they? Somebody in our church should be in charge of that. Why not me? Did you know that may seem silly? That is one of the most powerful ministries in our church family. People will tell you years from now the person they first saw when they walked through those doors they will tell you who smiled at them, who shook their hand, who made them feel welcome. That must be important. Somebody should do that, shouldn't they? Who would wash people's cars at Walmart and maybe have an opportunity as that person's pulling out and they say, by the way, why are y'all doing this? Who would be the person, somebody needs to do this, who would be the one to say, well, because Jesus gave his life for you and we just wanted to in some small way show his love to you today and share the love of Christ with you. Who would, when that person, a tear starts rolling down their cheek because their heart is broken over what you've shared or because there's something difficult going on in their life, who's going to be the one to say, it seems like something's going on in your life? Can I pray with you? Isn't that what Jesus would say? Somebody should. He's going to do it through somebody. Why wouldn't it be me? Who's going to cook a meal or go to the hospital and lead a dying man to Jesus Christ? right minutes and moments before He goes into eternity? Who's going to help start a third service at times that, that normally you wouldn't be a part of, but, but they fit better for somebody else's schedule? You know, there are many people who will never be here on Sunday morning because it just doesn't fit their schedule. We could say, tough, sorry, only time we're open. Or we could make some adjustments. Somebody needs to, doesn't, don't they? Somebody needs to do that. Who would go beyond the normal hello at church and would look somebody in the eye and rather than trying to hit 50 people every time you come at church with a hello, you just focus on, you know what today, Lord? I'm going to look for two or three and I'm going to stop. And when I say, how are you doing? I'm going to wait for the answer. And I'm going to minister to that person. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to rejoice with those who are rejoicing and I'm going to weep with those who are weeping. Somebody should be doing that here, shouldn't they? Jesus is doing it. But if it's going to be done, it's going to happen through me and through you. I'm so glad we've been learning our study. I cannot cover all those needs. Can you? I cannot be the body of Christ. I am not Jesus Christ, and neither are you. Okay? So we can just chill out and let Him work. But if every single one of us would just say, Dear Jesus, this day... What do you want to do through me? Who do you want to encourage? Who do you want to show yourself to? Who do you want to work in their life through your servant? If every single one of us will do that, we will never lack for people to touch because there are thousands of people who are hurting. They need a real Jesus working through real people to be involved in their lives. You know what? It may be today that somebody is here and you're that person. You know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about spiritual poverty because you are at the end of your rope. I know it's easy for me to say because I'm not living your life. And I'm not involved in your life. Right now, I'm just being the body of Christ, the part that's speaking, okay? But as I'm speaking, would you trust the Word of God? Jesus Christ Himself said it. He came for people like you. If you are hurting today, if you're on your last leg, He came to bring you good news. Would you let that wash over you today? It's true. It may not feel true in your life right now. You may not be experiencing it. This church may not be fulfilling all that we should do. God help us. Amen, church family? If we've missed, I ask God every week, God, don't let us miss one thing. We're going to, aren't we? We're going to. So forgive us. We're not Jesus. We're trying our best to be His body. But would you just let Him minister to you today? We're going to let you down. We don't want to, but we will. But Jesus won't let you down. If you will put your trust and your faith in Him, I, don't, I can't even imagine what some of you are going through today, but He has promised to set you free. He came to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. You know what it's talking about? The time of God's grace. Did you know Jesus did a no-no? Did you know He left out part of a verse? Did you know that? You know the part He left out? The day of vengeance of our God. (laughs) That's in in Isaiah 61. Uh, You know what He did? You know what He was saying? He was telling those people on that day, judgment was going to come, right? But He was saying, now is the time for grace. Now is the time for release. Now is the time for people to be set free. One day judgment is coming, but this isn't that day. Jesus came. This is a time of grace. He's offering his favor to people. If people will respond to him, he'll bring them into his family. One day, that's going to be called short. He's going to say the time is up. It's time to it's time for judgment. It's time for the accounts to be settled. But today, friend, you have an opportunity to receive the grace of God. It's the favorable time of the Lord. He led you here today so that you could receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Would you receive that today? Let's pray.